All right, good evening. It's uh, a privilege to come to you today as I want to welcome you to another um, live edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. This is your host, Brother Nick Bailey, coming to you uh, live from the um, United Baptist Church Auditorium on this Monday, November the 29th, 2021. Amen. Hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And it sure is good to be uh, with you uh, here today. And uh, again, just excited about another uh, another edition of the Trumpet Series later in the day coming to you. But as always, it's been a busy day, so better late than never. Amen. Want to sing a, a song uh, this evening? Uh, this came to my heart, especially as it relates to. Um, uh, the topic of today's study, this is an old Squire Parsons classic, when I couldn't come to where he was. Aren't you so thankful today that the Lord loved you enough that he's willing to um, leave that uh, the splendor of heaven's throne, make of himself no reputation, take upon himself the form of a servant, um, be in the likeness of flesh and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. I hope you enjoy this today. Pray for me. That's why 
I'm so thankful that when I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. Aren't you thankful that the love, the Lord loved you so much that he was willing to come to where you were? I think about Romans chapter 5, where the Bible says one of my favorite verses of Scripture. We'll be studying that here in just a couple of days. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. What a blessing that is to know that God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And just as importantly, not only did he die for us, but he died specifically in our place. And he died for our sins. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Amen. It sure is a blessing uh, to be with you. Amen. Another edition of the blessed, excuse me, the trumpet series Bible study broadcast. You're going to have to bear with me a minute. And this is sort of embarrassing. I'm surprised it's taken me this long for it to happen, but I left my notes for today's broadcast downstairs in my office, so I'm going to see if the mic will continue to pick up while I go downstairs and get my notes, and if it doesn't, then that'll be all right too, but again, when I could not come to where Jesus was, he came to me. Amen. What a blessing that is. And here are my notes. I found them uh, right here on my desk. God, help us all. I'm going crazy. Too many things to remember as I'm trying to do the music, do the sound, and uh, do the broadcast as well. But that's all right. I did find my notes, and they were right where they should have been all along on my desk. So forgive me for that. And thank you for your patience. But I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving weekend. My goodness, I'll tell you what, this is more of a comedy hour than it is a Bible study broadcast. We ought to put that on America's Funniest Home Videos. Praise the Lord. Hope you had a great uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And I know we sure did ourselves. Uh, amen. Getting back to normal. But uh, I say that semi-normal. Why? Because we come right out of Thanksgiving and now we're going right into the uh, Christmas holiday season. Christmas just a few weeks away as today is the last day of November. And um, I hope that uh, you got your Christmas, or your Christmas decorations up and um, Christmas shopping is being done. You know, I, I, I aggravate people. I tell them all the time that I'm a Scrooge. But that's not necessarily the case. I do like Christmas. Uh, it's just uh, the first few years of my ministry, things were so hectic that, um, you know, I, I started dreading the holiday. But the longer you go, the more you mellow out and you realize that it's not that bad. So try to understand and try to remember what Christmas is all about. So uh, again, uh, I don't know if, about anybody else, but uh, I ate as much food over the last days as I ever have. My goodness. So it would probably be wise today for me to go ahead and start my diet back, but uh, why would I even consider doing that when Christmas is right around the corner? Amen. So we're going to just continue eating over the next month, splurge, 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 and then we'll do our best to get back on our diet the 1st of January. Appreciate all the prayers that went up for us as we conducted the Oscar Award funeral services over the weekend. We did have one person 
Praise God to profess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior at the funeral service on Saturday. But we also did have several who left under conviction. And I encourage you to pray that they wouldn't get any sleep until they give their hearts to Jesus Christ. One person, God knows who he is. The Lord was dealing with his heart. And I just pray that a seed was planted and that uh, God would give, uh, would continue to deal with him until he gives his heart to Christ. A couple of events I want to remind you about this evening. First of all, the Calls Winter Youth Conference that's scheduled for December the 27th through the 30th at the uh, Venture of Faith Camp located in Lake Park, Georgia. As Brother Greg Lentz, again, uh, is over the uh, Calls Ministry. Brother Greg Lentz, longtime uh, music director for many of uh, Dr. Ralph Sexton's um, um, tent crusades. Uh, but also, uh, Brother Lentz is involved with the Hearts with Hands Ministry, um, located there in Asheville, North Carolina, but he is over the Calls Youth Ministry that is um, focuses on raising up another generation of young people um, who would set their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, Brother Greg Lentz will have this, uh, the Calls Winter Youth Conference, uh, December the 27th through the 30th in between the week of Christmas and New Year at the Venture of Faith Camp located in Lake Park, Georgia. Boy, I'm having a time tonight. Can't even keep up with my pen. But uh, Brother Greg Lentz, Dr. Joe Arthur, Dr. Chris Hayslip, and Evangelist John Burt will be preaching those services. I also uh, want to make sure you don't forget the first ever Voice of Hope Crusade that's going to occur on Saturday, January 29th, 5 o'clock p.m., at the Convention Center in Gatlinburg, where uh, Brother D.R. Harrison and the entire Voice of Hope team will be hosting that event. Uh, again, the first ever Voice of Hope crusade that's going to occur Saturday, G January 29th, uh, 5 o'clock p.m. at the Convention Center in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Uh, again, uh, Brother D.R. Harrison... Pastor Greg Locke, Dr. Kevin Jessup will be the guest speakers. The Browders, the Neelands of the Day, and the Wilmington Celebration Choir will be providing the music. Um, amen. Appreciate these events. And also, I believe it's this weekend, either Friday or Saturday, that uh, my dear friends, the Browders, out of Kingsport, Tennessee, they're going to be hosting their Christmas concert uh, up in Kingsport. So uh, I'll try to provide you with more information about that as the week goes on. So I love the Browders and appreciate their friendship. Just a couple of prayer requests tonight. I ask you to remember the Ward family, again, grieving the loss of uh, Brother Oscar. Remember uh, one of our church ladies, Miss Cheryl Filing, as she'll be traveling to Nashville uh, for a procedure on her eye. Remember uh, Cheryl Filing. Continue to remember Brenda Roberts and her husband, as again, he has recently been diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Remember Anthony and Joanne Knight as they are currently in Florida. Remember Roger and Linda Stockton. Roger, pastor at Greystone Free Will Baptist Church here in Greene County as both he and Linda are sick and Roger's being in the hospital. So remember them in prayer. Also remember uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Brother Brad Pierce, as his grandfather, Glenn Steeles, has been in the hospital as well. So many people we need to remember. Also pray for a gentleman by the name of Bert Ward. Remember Bert Ward as God knows that need. Let's pray and we'll get right into today's broadcast. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you, God, for another privilege we have. Lord, just to come into your presence. And God, I'm thankful that when I could not come to where you were, Lord, you still came to me. And Father, Lord, I pray, uh, God, that I'd never allow that truth to grow cold in my heart. But I pray that I would always uh, burn uh, burn strong for Jesus based on the fact that uh, I love you tonight, God, because you first loved me. God bless today's Bible study. Lord, thank you, Father, Lord, uh, for the Word of God and what it means to us, God, as we're doing our best on this trumpet series broadcast to spare not, but to cry loud and lift up our voices like a trumpet. Lord, I pray that your Word would be preached today, not through the flesh, and it wouldn't be a mere sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, but it would be preached and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, God, I pray you touch these lips. And God, I pray, Father, that your word would not return void, but it accomplished the purpose you sent it forth to do. God, that your word would not fall on uh, 
Lord, fall on shallow ground, but Lord, that it would uh, take root and bear an abundance of fruit in our lives. Uh, God, I pray that uh, we'd hide your word in your heart, in our hearts, that we might not sin against thee, and that we'd allow your word to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Honor your word, exalt your son tonight through your humble servant. We'll praise you for what you're going to do. If there might be one watching or listening today that is lost, I pray they'd fall in under heaven's sin. Holy Ghost conviction, they'd be saved before it's too late. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. All right, last week uh, we were only able to have around three total broadcasts due to the Thanksgiving holiday, and that's following up a week where we didn't have any uh, of the Trumpet Series broadcast due to the Ark Revival. So I apologize about um, how infrequent we've been uh, uh, on these broadcasts, and that is not our desire at all because this is a very important thing that I believe that God has called us to do. So we want to be faithful to this ministry. Amen. And you pray that the Lord would continue to bestow and grant His favor upon it as we... Uh, as we give it out. But uh, again, we did conclude and we did finish up chapter number four in our study of Paul's letter to the Romans. And we spent most of our time discussing the life of Abraham, which is given and provided to us as an example of someone who was justified and declared righteous in the sight of a holy God according to the faith that he placed in the promises of God's word. Many quotations that Paul used in chapter number 4 to remind us how that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Amen. The Lord told Abraham, he said that I'm going to make thee the father of many nations and it's going to be through your seed that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham believed that promise in spite of what seemed to be in, uh, great odds and uh, near impossible uh, circumstances, but yet... Abraham chose to believe the promises of God. Amen. He was fully persuaded uh, in his mind that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Amen. And God accounted Abraham's faith unto him for righteousness. Now, as we enter into this week's study, I want us to begin examining chapter number 5. And I personally consider this to be one of my favorite sections, not just in the book of Romans, but also in the entirety of of the scriptures. And here, I believe Paul continues to develop the principle of justification by faith by revealing some of the practical ways that this truth relates to the lives of those who choose to be saved by the amazing and marvelous grace of God. Now, specifically, I believe we can divide this chapter into two distinct categories. And they are as follows the blessings of our justification and the basis of our justification. Again, let me say that again. The blessings of our justification. That covers the first portion of the chapter. But then the second uh, section of the chapter, we might label it to uh, be the basis of our justification. First of all, we find the section that describes the blessings of justification in verses number 1 through down about verse number 11 or 12, so to speak. But then, uh, from about uh, verse number 12 through verse 21, Paul shifts the focus of his attention off of the blessings of justification and on to the basis, or how God goes about justifying His people. As a side note, I must give credit where credit is due for the outline, as it again comes from Warren Wiersbe's expositional commentary series. And if you're looking for a good commentary set to help you uh, better understand and know how to rightly divide the word of truth, I would highly recommend uh, Warren Wiersbe's expositional commentary series of the Bible. You can get it, uh, amen, uh, whether it be uh, through uh, uh, CBD, Christian book book distributors, you can get it um, at a very reasonable cost, all five volumes of the uh, Wiersbe Uh, expositional commentary series, or I'm sure you can find them at your local bookstore, wherever that is. So over the next several days, we're going to be studying the blessings of our justification, and then we'll move on to deal with the basis of our justification, which is found in the second part of Romans chapter 5. And just like so many chapters in this wonderful book, 
again, chapter number five is just absolutely slam full of truths uh, that I'm sure that all of us are no doubt familiar with in one way or another. But again, uh, when we study it as a whole, the chapter as a whole, it helps us to be, to be able to better uh, grasp the true meaning of uh, these verses that many of us are so already so familiar with. So again, beginning with verse number 1 and continuing on down through about verse number 11 of this great chapter, I believe Paul provides us with seven direct and distinct blessings that we might refer to as results and byproducts that are available for uh, and have been imparted to those uh, of us who have been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you know what it is to be justified, declared righteous. Amen. A sentence of not guilty has been passed down to your life from the high court of heaven. Uh, amen. Case dismissed, just as if you've never sinned. Amen. And you've been declared righteous, not on the basis of your good works or anything you've done, but on everything, on the basis of everything that Christ did for you when He died for your sins uh, and died in your place on Calvary's cross. Let's begin tonight, uh, and all we're going to be able to get through this evening is verse number 1. I, I, I got a little sidetracked, uh, amen, in my study today, but yet uh, I believe this side thought that we're going to run a little while here tonight is worth running, amen. So uh, all we're going to get through tonight, Lord willing, is verse number 1 of our text, but Lord willing, as we go through the study from day to day, we'll be able to cover a little bit more ground as we get further along in the chapter. But again, first of all, let's notice the production. Where Paul writes here in verse number one, uh, amen. Uh, let me t I'll tell you what, before we do that, let's read a few of these verses. You know, I, I do believe there is a special blessing that comes by way of the reading of the Scriptures. Romans chapter number 5, verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. There's one of those famous verses, part of the Romans road. For scarcely... For a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse number 8 is one of my favorite verses in the entirety of the Word of God. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, uh, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. So that right there, these 11 verses pretty much summarize and they make up the first uh, 11 verses, the first section of Romans chapter number 5, uh, verses 1 through 11, where we find the blessings of our justification. Uh, so let's get right into it tonight by noticing the production, verse 1, the very first phrase, therefore being justified by faith. Here the key word is the word therefore. Amen. And that might not seem to be very important to you at first glance, but as someone once told me when I was in Bible college, anytime you find the word therefore in the Scriptures, you need to determine the reason why it's therefore. Amen. In other words, the word therefore almost refers back to something that was previously written, which brings to light the contextual principle for understanding and interpreting the Scriptures. And by that I mean that when we attempt to interpret 
understand, and here is the phrase I like to use, rightly divide the word of truth, we must do so within the context of what comes before and follows after the verse or passage we are currently studying. Amen. We've got to take that verse. If we're going to get the right, the correct, and the proper interpretation, if we're going to be able to rightly divide the word of truth as it's given uh, out to us by the Lord, we've got to use the principle of context, the contextual principle. In other words, we've got to consider what goes before the verse or the passage uh, as well as what follows after it. Amen. And that will help us to be able to understand properly the word of God. Amen. You know, when we study particular verses within the context that it's written, and when we don't do that, but instead take the verse or passage out of context, just pull it out, study it by itself in an isolated and an individual way. Using that strategy, we can make the Bible say pretty much anything and everything we want it to say and basically mean anything we want it to mean. And that's what I find taking place in, in, in the world today is there's more ignorance concerning the Word of God in our day than there ever has been before. Amen. People want to, uh, to twist and to turn and to take God's Word out of context and make it say something totally different than what God uh, intended for it to say. Amen. And they want to add to and they want to take away from the Scriptures, amen. They want to pick and choose, uh, amen, what they want to believe, amen. Uh, and they want to discount certain, uh, they want to stand on certain portions of Scripture, but then they want to discount entire sections of the Word of God. And what we're trying to do, we're undermining, uh, amen, and we're, uh, uh, amen, devaluing the credibility of the Word of the Scriptures, I want to remind you today, friend, that there is a great curse that is pronounced upon anyone who would either uh, have the gall or the nerve to add to or take away from what the Bible says. You're walking on dangerous ground, friend, when you choose to add to or take away from the Scriptures. Amen. But we can take God's Word, take a verse out of context. You know, I believe it was J. Harold Smith that used this illustration, said that, in one passage of Scripture, the Bible says that Judas went out and hanged himself. Amen. But then in another passage of Scripture, the Bible says, Go thou and do likewise. Amen. But if you put those two thoughts together and take them out of the context uh, from which they were written, you could justify suicide. And you could say that, that, that Judas gives you and gives uh, myself uh, the right to go out and hang ourselves and still be found pleasing in the sight of God. And we all know that's simply not the case. Amen. Second uh, Peter 1.20 tells us this. The Bible says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. And what I believe Peter meant by that is that the word... Uh, of God can't mean one thing to one person and something entirely different to someone else. But instead, when studying any particular passage of Scripture, we must know that the Word of God says what it means, and it means what it says. And when you take one particular verse or passage of Scripture and come up with multiple different meanings or interpretation of that uh, individual verse or passage, then what that means is that somebody somewhere is wrong. And someone simply does not have the right or correct interpretation of the Word of God. And I don't know how many times I've heard it said, well, you know, the Bible may mean one thing to you, but it means something entirely different to me. Uh, and, and, and I even had somebody recently tell me, say, well, that's your truth. Or that's your version of the truth. No, my friend, there are not many versions of truth. Uh, just like I think we could say there are not many or multiple versions of the Word of God. I absolutely despise that word version because that word version uh, seems to imply or indicate to us that uh, the, the Bible is subjective, uh, can be subjectively understood or interpreted. 
Uh, amen. In other words, it's here's my version of the Scripture, but then somebody else has an entirely different version, uh, uh, an entirely different narrative of the events, which brings into question, uh, amen, the validity and the credit credibility of the entire account itself, which is, we know, the basic strategy of Satan from the beginning, and that is to uh, discredit the truth. And if, if Satan can get you, or, my, you or, or myself, or anybody else for that matter, to begin to question the reliability and the accuracy of the Scriptures, amen, then he's got us set up for failure. I've said it before. I don't know how many times I've said it from this very pulpit here at United. If somebody could convince me that any portion of the Scriptures uh, is, is incorrect, is not valid, is false, uh, or is tainted, amen, then I, I'd lay my Bible down and I'd quit preaching. This isn't easy, friend. Amen. And if I'm going to stand on the things that I stand on, and if I'm going to uh, stand up for the things that I believe, I've got to have confidence that what I'm standing on is true, is right, and is accurate, and is correct. That's why a lot of people uh, aren't standing anymore because somewhere along the line they begin to question and doubt whether or not what they had been standing on by way of the Scriptures was really true and so. Amen. Now let me say this tonight. This does not mean that either myself or any other person, church, or a particular doctrine or denomination always has the right interpretation about everything the Bible says. Amen. I do not believe for a minute that the Baptists have got it all figured out. Amen. That Baptist doctrine is 100% is, uh, uh, completely accurate and correct. No, my friend, the Baptist uh, uh, doctrine, the Baptist denomination, the Baptist uh, movement, uh, amen, whichever color uh, or form of Baptist you want to refer to yourself as, that's a man-made entity. Now, I know a lot of people would... Uh, would uh, would not avow that, and, and a lot of people would withstand me for saying that, but it's true. The Baptist, just like every other denomination or every other doctrine, it's man-made. And because it's man-made, there are errors, that are there are flaws, uh, amen. There are uh, false ideas within anything that man uh, develops or contrives. But what it does mean is although there may be many views, many ideas or beliefs about what the Bible means or says, there is really only one accurate and clear-cut interpretation for each verse, passage, or section, which again allows me to conclude that when there are many or multiple views, somebody is right and everybody else is wrong. Now that doesn't mean I'm right all the time. And yes, I do believe that when I stand before God, uh, amen, uh, as a Baptist, as a Bible believer, and even as a preacher of the Word of God, God's going to have to straighten me out about some things. I mean, I'm going to find that not everything I believe and not everything that I stood uh, for and not everything that I was so adamant uh, and strong-willed about as far as my view and my uh, interpretation and my belief of the Scriptures was correct. I mean, that's why we must be very careful about being too dogmatic when it comes to some of these gray areas and some of these secondary issues. And we need to make sure that before, amen, we divide and before we uh, break fellowship with people over what could very well be trivial and insignificant and secondary issues, we better make sure that, uh, that, uh, that we're not talking about an issue that we could be wrong about. Because, friend, I'm telling you, it's a very serious matter Amen, to, to break fellowship uh, with a brother or sister in Christ, especially somebody that's blood-bought, somebody that loves the Lord and somebody who believes the Bible just like you do. A amen, and if you took 100 people, uh, amen, that were fundamental Bible-believing Christians and you lined them up in a room and, and you uh, talked to them about uh, a certain uh, doctrine or issue, I'm... I'm very confident that you're going to find some differences within that group of people. Amen. That doesn't mean you necessarily break fellowship with them because you don't see eye to eye with them on every point. Uh, that doesn't mean that you uh, refuse to uh, 
worship with them or you don't want anything to do with them or you view them as some heathen or heretic just because they dot their I or cross their T a little bit different than you do. No, my friend. Because the truth is, whatever it is that you are so adamant and dogmatic about, it could be that you're the one wrong and they're right about it. You know, that, I, I believe that is a, uh, that's evidence of an humble spirit and an humble attitude. Uh, amen. An attitude of meekness and humility uh, as it relates to our views, doctrines, and philosophies that we acknowledge because of our imperfect mind and our uh, finite and fallible uh, uh, ability to understand and comprehend truth, the possibility exists that we could be the, wrong, the, the one wrong. And that other brother or sister denomination that we want to look down at and make fun of, they could be right. Amen. And God's going to have to straighten all of us out about some things when we stand before the judgment seat. But that leads me to another thought we addressed in a previous study. Why then are there so many different beliefs and ideas regarding the Scriptures? And because of that, does it not imply that the Bible itself is a flawed and a fallible book that is filled with errors? Amen. And my answer to that question is absolutely not. Because actually what all the inconsistencies uh, regarding Bible interpretation do is reveal not God's flawed uh, ability, but man's flawed ability within himself to properly interpret, understand, and rightly divide the Scriptures in his natural state without and apart from the help of the Holy Ghost of God that indwells every saved individual. And although I really don't want to get into all of this again as we discussed it thoroughly during another one of our episodes and broadcast. Although I must say tonight that I can't think of any more important issue in our world today than whether or not we are confident and convinced in our mind, not just partially persuaded, but completely persuaded. Amen. I am perfectly and totally persuaded in my mind that the Bible is God's Word. Amen. What God has promised, He's able to perform. How am I going to have any faith in a promise, if I don't believe that the source of that promise, where it comes from, uh, can be counted on and is reliable. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul wrote this, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, the Holy Ghost that indwells any and every saved Christian, I'm going to prove to you whether or not you want to accept it, or agree with it or not, I'm going to do my best to prove to you that if a person is saved, amen, the Holy Spirit of God abides in their heart and life. And if, if, if they don't have the Holy Ghost, as simply as I know how to put it, they ain't never been born again. But again, the Holy Ghost that indwells every saved Christian at the moment he or she is justified, that Holy Spirit serves as a spiritual decoder and an interpreter that gives him or her the ability to understand and reason out the truths of the Scripture. Something that they did not possess the ability to do before they got saved. So in essence, much of all the confusion and discrepancy that exists uh, regarding all the many different ideas and beliefs concerning what the Bible means and says... All of this confusion, may I remind you tonight that God's not the author of confusion. But all of this confusion regarding what the Bible says and means is the consequence many times of lost people trying to do something they simply don't have the ability to do in and of their selves, and that is be able to understand the Bible. You see, friend, without the help of the Holy Ghost that begins to indwell your heart and life at the moment of your conversion... Reading and studying the Bible for a lost man is like trying to read a book in a foreign language or try to decipher uh, a message that's been sent, sent in Morse code uh, without the key to unlock the code. I say all that to say that the discrepancies regarding the meaning and understanding of the Word of God have everything to do with man's flawed and imperfect state. Why? Because the Bible is the infallible, inspired, inerrant Word of God. It means what it says and it says what it means. 
Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So again, getting back to Romans 5.1, when Paul uses the word therefore, he is referencing the previous chapter that was used to describe what it means to be justified by faith. In other words, as a result of, therefore, as a result of, or because of the fact that Paul has proven to us we are justified by faith, Paul said, I've got something, I, some things I want to share with you as a result and a consequence of that fact, the fact that we who are saved have been justified by faith. Amen. And the, the, we were justified because we chose to believe the promise uh, uh, regarding Jesus Christ and to take God's, God at His word uh, as it relates to what He said concerning Christ. Right now there's a possession we have, verse 1. Here Paul alludes to some things that have just naturally fallen into our possession as Christians because of and as a result of the fact that we have been justified by faith in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, now that we have been justified because we have been declared righteous by God, we have believed the promise of God, we've taken Him at His word, and the, the, the gavel of heaven, the great high court of heaven has uh, dropped its, its gavel and has instantaneously and immediately declared us to be righteous. The sentence, uh, amen, the verdict has been issued. The sentence has been carried out. We've been declared not guilty. Case dismissed. We're justified in God's sight. And because of that, Paul's saying uh, there are some natural consequences. There are some natural things that you and I, some advantages we have, some things we possess in light of and because of our justified estate. Amen. I want to remind you tonight that uh, justification is not a progressive or a gradual process. But to be justified, this is an immediate and an instant event that occurs in a believer's life. Again, at the very moment, he is declared just and righteous in heaven's high court. Amen. Uh, when we are justified by God in heaven, the, the moment we first believe, we who are justified become instant and immediate possessors of these seven blessings that are described to us over the next 11 verses of this chapter here in Romans chapter number 5. So what is the first thing that we who have been justified, what is the first thing we uh, are made possessors of? Well, the first thing we see is we, have, we, we possess uh, the blessing of reconciliation. The blessing of reconciliation. Verse number one, we have, therefore being justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you are thankful tonight that you have peace with God? So the first blessing and provision we have now gained possession of in that we are justified in the sight of God is the fact that we have made peace with God. Now I want you to understand something tonight and that is biblically speaking there is a difference between what it means to make peace with God and what it is to know the peace of God in your life. For the peace of God, I'm talking about the difference between having having made peace with God and knowing the peace of God. The peace of God refers to a state of calmness, quietness, and serenity that exists in man's heart and soul after they get saved. Something that you didn't have before you got saved, now you possess it. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, that peace of God which passes all understanding, the Bible says in one particular passage. It's this kind of peace the Word of God refers to. Uh, amen. That you and I possess. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. Uh, I uh, will keep them in perfect peace whose mind uh, is stayed on thee. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Uh, that is a different kind of peace than the one we're referring to here in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Why? The peace of God is not something you can experience in your life 
until you first know what it is to make peace with God. You cannot uh, have the peace of God until you have first made peace with God. The peace of God refers to a temporary state, feeling or condition that may exist in our lives at a certain moment, but then be gone. On the other hand, making peace with God is a permanent standing one enters into at the time they are saved and at the very moment they are justified and declared righteous by the high court of heaven. Amen. When you are justified, when you are declared righteous, when the Lord says about Nick Bailey, case dismissed, the verdict has been reached, the sentence has been handed down, and he is not guilty before God, even though we really are guilty. Uh, amen. When that happens... When God declares you righteous, justified, just as if you've never sinned, amen, you, in essence, makes peace, make peace with God, and God makes peace with you. Amen. And if you're saved tonight, you know what it is for God to make peace with you. Uh, amen. You say, preacher, can you describe this a little more in-depthly? Yeah, when that happens, when you're justified, when you're declared righteous, when, you're, when the verdict is handed down that you are innocent, uh, amen, case dismissed, immediately terms are reached. A compromise is met, the veil is rent, the wall is broken down, a white flag is waved, and a truce agreement is settled between myself and the Lord. Later on in verse number 10 of the same chapter, Paul described those who are lost and have not been saved. Now here's why. Why is it necessary for us to come to terms with God, to settle with God, uh, amen, settle a dispute or a disagreement with God, to reach a comprom uh, compromise uh, of terms, uh, amen? Why is, it, uh, why is it necessary that a white flag of surrender must be waved in over our lives? Well, according to verse number 10 of Romans chapter 5, Paul describes those who are lost and have not been saved as being the enemies of God. Do you know that, friend? That before you uh, become born again, before you got saved, in the sight of a holy God, you were an enemy of His. You were on the wrong... You, you, you were, uh, you were uh, a member of an army that opposed God, that fought against Him. And how many of us uh, did more harm than good to the cause of Christ before we got saved. Just like Paul, he was a persecutor of the Christians. He thought he was doing God a favor, but he was fighting against, he was kicking against the pricks. He was persecuting uh, the very Savior that came to save him from his sins. But I, I can't think of a better way to describe somebody who is in a lost condition prior to salvation than to say that they are literally the enemies of God. James 4, the Bible says that to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. And friend, before you were saved, declared righteous and justified in the sight of a holy God, that's what you were. You were an enemy of God. And what that means is prior to your conversion, salvation, and justifi the justification of your soul, you were at odds with God and you were at war with your heavenly creator. That is not a wise thing to do. Uh, to try to resist uh, your creator, the one who created you, the one who, who um, breathed life into your soul, who gives you the ability to wake up and to get up out of bed every morning for you to be an enemy and to be at odds with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is what? Our peace. There it is. He's our peacemaker. Not just our peace giver. Not only is God, is Jesus Christ the giver of peace, but He's the maker of peace. He's not just the peace giver and the peace speaker, but He's the peacemaker, the one that made peace between two uh, entities that were at odds with each other, enemies, one with another. He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, 
Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace before God can ever give you peace or speak the peace of God which passes all understanding into your life, He first has to make peace with you. He has to bridge that gap. He has to reconcile the differences. Amen. He has to bring together those who are at odds with one another. And so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off. And to them that were nigh. We could spend all day talking about these verses. That enmity. That's talking about a disagreement. An irreconcilable difference that has to be dealt with. See, what we want to do today is we want to, uh, we want to bring people to God and not settle the difference. There, there's an irreconcilable difference that stands between you uh, get, and getting saved and you uh, and being justified and declared righteous in God's sight and that is your sin. Your sin must be dealt with before you can come together. Before the white flag can ever be waved in over your life uh, before terms of peace can ever be reached between you and a holy God. The enmity, that difference, that discrepancy, that disagreement. How can two walk together except they be agreed? God's not going to walk together with anybody whose sin has not been dealt with. Before God can ever be your friend. Uh, amen. Jesus must be your Savior. Your sins must be dealt with. Amen. That enmity, the disagreement, the difference uh, that exists between you and, and God must be reconciled. And He came and preached peace to those who were afar off and to them that were nigh. Those that were afar off are the Gentiles. Those that were nigh are the Jews. We could again spend all day talking about these verses, but basically... Paul is writing about the method of justification God uses to make sinners righteous. And when he did that, Jesus took those who were at odds and at war with each other and those who were considered enemies of one another because of the enmity and because of the differences and the discrepancy and the disagreement they had. God's holiness and man's... I want to remind you, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Light can have no fellowship with darkness. Christ took those who were at odds, at war, and were enemies. He brought them together. He tore down the barrier. He got rid of the strife, the enmity, the difference, the evil. He reconciled the differences. He made peace between the two parties that were at odds. He waved the white flag. He called for a truce. And He took those who were at odds, at war, and were enemies of each other. And He has now brought them together, reconciled them, and caused them to be able to fellowship and walk together as friends. That is what it means to be reconciled to God. Or for, for Jesus, uh, amen. Therefore being justified by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has made peace with sinful. He's the peace. He's the, he's the fence mender. He's the peacemaker. Amen. He's the reconciler. He's the one that's able to, uh, uh, amen, to, to, to uh, draw up, a, amen, a truce, so to speak. Amen. Uh, work out an agreement between the two parties who are at odds with each, with each other. Paul talks about this more in depth later on in chapter 5, verse 10. Uh, the Bible says, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. How much more being reconciled shall we be saved by His life? 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21 And all things are of God who hath reconciled us unto Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. 
We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So here we find how that God has committed unto us who are saved, those who have been justified, those who know what it is to be reconciled. Amen. The differences and the disagreement to be settled, the enmity uh, to be put aside, uh, the distance to be, the, to be drawn close together. Amen. The agreement to be made. Uh, amen. The uh, contract written up. Uh, amen. The treaty to be signed by both parties. That ministry and that word of reconciliation has been committed unto us. And now that we are saved, God has entrusted uh, us who have experienced what it is to be reconciled to God both the word and the message of reconciliation to we sinners who have been reconciled. And now it is our responsibility to take the message of reconciliation that has been committed to us and share it with other men and women who are lost, who are at odds and who are literally enemies of God and show them how they too can know and experience what it is to be reconciled. And according to the apostle, we are actually supposed to compel and persuade men which literally means to beg and to plead with them to be reconciled before it's too late. And let me say this tonight, we're getting ready to close. But what I've found in my own life, and especially during the several years that I've served as pastor of our church here at United, is just how many people who live in this world, they don't even know what they even, that they even need to be reconciled. Do you know what I've found? The problem can't be solved between two parties until and unless both parties realize there's a problem. Have you ever known somebody and you find out later on in life that, uh, that for years and years this person or this individual held a grudge over, uh, against you? They held a grudge against you over a problem you didn't even know exist? Amen? Do you know what I'm talking about tonight? In other words, they were at odds with you. They had a problem with you. They didn't want anything to do with you, but they concealed it and they kept it inside. Amen. And that problem just lingered and it just, uh, amen, it was just there. And there was a wall. There was a petition. There was a veil that, was, that stood in between you and that person, but you didn't even know it was there. And as a result, that problem couldn't, be fixed or repaired because both parties didn't understand and realize that there was a problem that had to be dealt with. See, that's where a lot of people are today. They think, and, it's, and, and the reason is, is because they've never been told otherwise. Preachers aren't willing to preach the truth of God's Word. Pastors want to preach this seeker-friendly, uh, amen, needs-felt version. There it is again, another version, a false version of the Word of God. And try to convince their people that everything's alright and that God wants to be their buddy and their pal and their best friend. When in reality, uh, there's a problem that exists between that person sitting on the pew and a holy God. Amen. They're trying to be friends and they're trying to be buddies and pals with somebody who is at odds with them, who has a problem, who has a major difference with them. And there'll be no friendship until... The problem's fixed, and the problem won't be fixed until both parties and both sides realize that there even is a problem. Friend, you better understand and you know before God will ever be your buddy, pal, or friend. I mean, you've got to understand that right now, unless you've been justified, declared righteous, unless your case, uh, the case that, that the devil had against you, amen, has been dismissed, you've been declared innocent and declared righteous on the basis of of the shed blood and the righteousness of God's darling Son, Jesus, unless and until that happens, you're an enemy of God. Amen. You're at odds with God. Uh, there's a problem. There's a middle wall and a partition standing in between yourself and your ability to walk with God and to talk with God and to be a friend of God. Just recently, uh, there was somebody, amen, that, I heard as a result of a message I preached, not because I preached it. But you'd be surprised at how many people think this way. 
And uh, I, I, it was a funeral service I'd preached and talked about that how that if a certain person hadn't got saved, they would have died and went to hell, even though they were a good person. And someone who attended that funeral service and heard me preach that message went away and was asking all kinds of questions. You mean they didn't go to heaven because they were a good person? Amen? Do you see the, the misunderstanding and the confusion that exists in our world today regarding the need man has to be reconciled to God? Amen? The need that man has to be saved? Amen? Before you, your bills can be saved, before your body can be healed, before your family to be fixed, your sins must be forgiven. That enmity must be done away with. Whatever it is, that difference that, that, that's, that's causing yourself to be at odds with and to have a disagreement with God regarding who you are as opposed to who He is must be dealt with, must be took care of. It must be remo removed. There must be an agreement reached. Uh, amen. There must be a truce. The white flag has to be waved. And that is not going to happen unless your sins have been paid for. Unless you have been declared righteous. Unless God has justified you on the basis of what His darling Son did. Uh, I say all that to say that I'm afraid there's a lot of people in our world today that, that, that are lost and they don't even know that they're at odds with God. They think God's their best buddy, their pal, and their friend when in reality... Uh, in the lost state that they're in right now, they're an enemy of God and don't even know it. Amen. But praise the Lord tonight and hallelujah to His name for the fact that we who are saved, we who are justified, and we who know what it is to be made righteous also know what it is to be reconciled to God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We're not just experiencing the peace of God, but we ourselves have made peace with God. One of those benefits, byproducts, and blessings God has provided those who are justified is for them to also know what it is to have made peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now that I have made peace with God, I can also enjoy the peace of God in my soul which passes all understanding. But please understand, friend, that you'll never experience the peace of God in your life. Uh, until and unless you know what it is to make peace with God in your heart and soul. Thank God for the fact that we who are saved, we who are justified, and we who have been, de been declared righteous by God have experienced what it is to both have made peace with God as well as to know and enjoy the peace of God which passes all understanding. Uh, friend, I'm glad the white flag has been waved. I'm, I'm glad that the truth has been agreed to. The war is over. Amen. The difference has been taken care of. The wall has been broken down. The veil has been rent from the top to the bottom. I have been reconciled and I know what it is to uh, have made peace with God in my heart and life. Friend, make peace with God. Don't be on the wrong side of the battle. Don't be fighting in an army that, that, is, that is against God. Don't be an enemy of God. Don't have enmity in your heart between yourself and your Creator. Amen. Make sure that that, that peace treaty's been signed. That arrangement and that agreement's been reached. The white flag has... Make sure you... And, and let me say this. God ain't the one that's going to wave the white flag of surrender. Amen. God's, God's not going to be the one who gives in. He's not going to be the one that's defeated. If anybody gives up and gives in... And, and, and admits to defeat. It won't be God, honey, but it'll be you. You better admit uh, that without God, you are defeated, you're lost, you're an enemy, you're a loser, amen, and you're bound for a devil's hell unless you come to terms, unless you uh, wave that white flag, unless you reach a truce and an agreement, a peace treaty is signed so that God can no longer be your enemy, but He's able to be your friend. Hallelujah, I'm thankful that I know what it is to be a friend of God. But before Jesus could ever be my friend, He first has to be my Savior. Heavenly Father, I love You tonight. I've done my best, Lord, just to share the truths 
God, that you've laid on my heart on what it is to, to know that I'm saved. And now that I'm saved, I've been justified. I've been declared righteous. Amen. I've been declared innocent even though I'm guilty. Case, the case uh, the devil brought before the throne of God regarding my own guilt, the case has been dismissed just as I've never sinned. And the moment that I was declared righteous in the high court of heaven, uh, Father, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, a peace treaty and an agreement was reached. Father, I'm no longer at odds um, with the high court of heaven. Lord, I'm on your side. Lord, I'm on the winning side. Victory was won, Lord, the day that I waved the white flag of surrender. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you. Lord, bless us as we continue to go through this trumpet series Bible study to continue to cry aloud, spare not, to lift up our voices like a trumpet. We'll praise you for who you are and what you do. Lord, if there's one that is viewing or listening today to this broadcast, I pray that if they're lost, they've never been justified, they've never been reconciled, they've never been declared righteous in the sight of a holy God, I pray that they'd understand that before they can be your friend, God, they've got to make terms. God, a peace treaty must be reached, an agreement has to be signed, and that'll never happen as long as they're at war with you. As long as they're at odds with you, as long as they're your enemy, God, they've, they've got to wave that white flag of surrender. They've got to be willing to come to terms. Lord, and it won't, they won't come to you on their terms. They'll only come on your terms, but help them to do that while there's still time and before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good night, and may God bless you is our prayer.